0: Good morning. good morning, for those and good morning to our friends online joining us. Uh, for those of you I haven't met yet, my name's Stephanie. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm delighted to be able to bring you the message this morning as we continue on in our sermon series on the Sermon on the Mount. Today we'll be talking about, as you may have guessed from the scripture readings, judging. <laughs> and as we do, if you would please join me in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for uh, this message. For your love, Lord, and for any word that you've laid on my heart, Lord, I pray that uh, my words will be yours, that we would hear from you today, and that all else would fall away. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, we did have um, Halloween, was this past Tuesday, right? And I don't know if anybody has ever gone to a pizza place on Halloween. Has anybody ever gone to a pizza place on Halloween? Like to get a pizza, like a takeout pizza? Oh, you are the lucky few that have not. Nobody raised their hand. So let me explain. It is the busiest night of the year. Halloween is one of the, like aside from Super Bowl, pizza places have the busiest time on Halloween. Now, once upon a time, I did work at a pizza place. uh, I know for those of you who have heard my stories, you're like, that is not a surprise at all that I worked at yet another place. But so I worked at this pizza place and I was working on Halloween and I had no less than 50 tickets in front of me. I was managing the place and trying to crank out pizzas as fast as I could. Now, we were a place that stayed open very late. And sometimes on Halloween, it was actually a Friday night Halloween, sometimes on Halloween, those late night pizzas come back because... You know, the people were too tired to answer the door when they got there for the delivery. We'll just stay tired. Anyway, so those pizzas, a lot of those pizzas would come back. And one night, that particular night on that Halloween that I'm talking about, I'm working frantically, and someone walked in the front door, and they asked if they could have one of the pizzas that came back. And I said that they could not be because we're not allowed to do that. And I said, I could give a glass of water. I could offer something else. uh, But I couldn't give the pizza because we, we weren't allowed to do that. And he was very angry at me. And as he walked out, he yelled, you will be judged. And I was like, man, I do not need that tonight. The judging. I was, so I was looking at this through, I, didn't, I wasn't a believer at the time, I didn't know if he was a believer, but I had certainly heard this phrase, of you will be judged, and I didn't think that it was him that was going to be judging me, I thought it was somebody who had a little more authority, even as a non-believer. Well, um, so the night goes on, and I of course am like stressing over this, and I came to like the lens that I had viewed it from. See, the night before, when I had worked, the, a lot of pizzas had come back the night before, like a whole stack of them, and I did give them to some people because we weren't going to use them. So I just gave them away, and I got severely reprimanded the next day for doing so. We're not allowed to do that. So I was looking at it from the lens of an employee who had just been reprimanded, and I wasn't allowed to do that, so now I'm going to be judged for doing my job? Ugh. I was not prepared for that. I think the problem now is though, sometimes we as Christians, we judge like it's our job. As if it's our job to judge others at least that's the perception that's out there even if it isn't true in your heart that is the perception that christians have a tendency to judge and there are statistics and percentages and all of that then i could go into that but i won't bore you with that what i will tell you is my own personal research shows that if i'm in a conversation with someone the easiest way to shut down that conversation mention I'm a pastor All of a sudden, visibly you see a change in them and they start thinking about everything they've said in the last 10 minutes and start qualifying their answers and, oh, I was just there because, and oh, I just did that because, and then, oh, yep, i got to get back to church, and all of the things (laughs) that they think I want them to say because they think I'm judging them. But it is not our job. We hear in Scripture today, it is not our job to be the judge. So what does Jesus say about this? We are going to turn to Matthew Chapter 7, it started in verse 1 and 2. So in Matthew chapter 7, verse 1 and 2, it says specifically, Do not judge, or you will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So Jesus exposes here this tendency that we do have to think judging is our job. The tendency that we have to look at someone else's fault and not recognize our own. We look at someone with a plank in our eye. We look through the plank in our eye. And we notice someone else's speck. Not even realizing our own plank. Side note, have you ever had a, like, something huge in your eye? Like, you can't even, there's no, I can't even imagine trying to see through a plank in your eye. But I do think that's the point. I actually think that's what Jesus is trying to get to here. When we have something that is so huge, it is the lens that we see everything through. So if we have a plank in our eye, it is what we're going to view everything else through. In this case, I think the plank is our pride. And the speck in someone else's eye is their sin. So Jesus is telling us we shouldn't view someone else's sin through the lens of our pride. To put it another way, being self-righteous is a way, is like a plank in our eye. So pride, self-righteousness, this thinking that we are more right than another. My way is the right way. We don't just see this in church, right? I know we're talking about church today, but we don't just see this in church. We can see this in every area of life, parenting, health choices weight loss or gain the environment politics finance how to drive i got everybody in here on how to drive and I no I did. <laughs> you guys how to drive is such a place where we judge others i and i know this because my 13 year old who has never been behind the wheel believes that he can drive better than anyone How to drive is a big one. In other words, we probably have some self righteousness of our own, some pride of our own to battle, hence a plank in our eye that we are looking through. Jesus is trying to help us understand how we should view others through the lens of humility rather than through our pride. We should examine the plank in our own eye before pointing out the speck in someone else's eye. The problem is, it might be a blind spot for us, pardon the pun we need to admit we're we're sick at all. Sometimes we don't admit we even have a plank or know that we do. But we would need to admit we're sick if we're going to seek out healing and remove the plank at all. Um, Speaking of this, it made me think about this. One time when I was 11 years old, we had horses and I was putting the horses away in the stall and the barn that we were in was a little bit um, old and uh, the wood was rotting. So as I pushed the barn door closed, something happened and a literal plank of wood shoved up underneath my thumb, like all the way all the way to the quick. It was so painful, you guys. It hurt so much. <laughs> it dropped me to my knees. All I could see was the pain. I, could, I couldn't even think of removing it because all I could see was how painful it was going to be if I even touched that plank that was in there. Um, On another note as well, as a paramedic, um, we used to pack wounds. Like if someone had been stabbed or impaled in some way, you pack stuff around the impalement. You don't unplug a hole so it can bleed more, right? But knowing that's only an immediate solution, you have to remove the object for healing to happen long term. But as a patient, it was painful to think of that object being removed from my thumb. But I know, as a person with pride, the plank has to be removed before we can heal it, heal from it. So what are we supposed to do? We know we have to remove this plank. We know we have to examine it. What are we supposed to do? In James, we read, and so in James 4, 7, and 9, We read, submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. When I read that, I had to read it several times. That is not something we hear in Scripture very often. Change your laughter to mourning. Change your joy to gloom. Did I read that right? And yes, James is saying here, when you notice the speck in your eye, it should cause, the plank in your eye, it should cause mourning. Your fleshly tendencies should grieve you. It should bring you to your knees when you're confronted with it. Because it hinders how we view other people and how we're able to love them. Because all we can see is what we see through our own self righteousness and our plank in our eyes. So, what do we do? Then in verse 10, he says, Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. So that's where we need to start with humility. So we are we examine the plank in our own eyes and we should be brought to our knees. It should make us mourn and wail and grieve and be so sad that we cannot love each other because we can't even see each other as God sees us. And then humble yourselves knowing the only person who can lift you up out of that is Jesus. If we want to be able to remo- the person who is removing the plank from our eye is Jesus. He's the only one who can. He's the only one who can tell us what's going on in our sinful, prideful, self-righteous that should bring us to our knees so that he can lift us up. He goes on to say, do not slander one another. Don't speak out against a brother or sister. There is only one lawgiver, one judge, the one who's able to save and destroy But you, who are you to judge a neighbor? So we aren't the ones to sit in judgment. We aren't the judge. We're still trying to put ourselves in Jesus' seat, thinking we know how to drive best. Jesus said he came to fulfill the law. Not abolish it. But he's also the one who saves us even knowing that sometimes our vision is so clouded that we need a friend to help us examine the plank in our eye. So God is the judge, but sometimes we are called to be a messenger. If we need to tell someone something because we love them too much to let it go, we need to first examine the plank in our own eye, have humility, and then speak truth in love because Jesus is both. Both truth and love. It'd be like trying to scream at a toddler that they are wrong when they're in the middle of a, of a fit. You can't scream at a toddler, it's not gonna bring them out of it, but speaking in truth and in love and gentleness will. And then we recognize that we're all born into the same sinful, broken world, but we're all offered the same forgiveness in Jesus. We're not offered grace because we're better than them, because of our own self-righteousness. We're Yeah, I mean, I know that I'm doing that, but they, they did this other thing. We're not offered grace because of that. We're, not, we're offered grace because of what Jesus did, not because of something that we have done. We're offered because... Jesus died for our sins because he is our savior, because God is the one who's faithful and merciful and gracious. And we should aspire to honor him in the way that we show up in the world. So that when it comes time for us to actually be judged by the one judge that matters by Jesus, we can stand before him and know that we will be with him in eternity because of what Jesus did, not because of something that we did. And that goes for the thems, and for the person who cut you off in traffic today, and for the person who was going 20 miles an hour in traffic today, and for your kids, and your grandkids, and your friends, and your enemies, even the person sitting next to you. So what if instead of casting judgment, we took up signs that said, work in progress, That's a humble sign. I admit I have things to work on. We are a work in progress. And what if we could view others with a work in progress sign too? Would it help us to not judge them so harshly? If we see a speck in someone else, we notice the work in progress sign on them as well? Because if judgment persists, it breeds hate. It breeds intolerance. It breeds resentment and division and blame and shame and pain. But when we remove the plank in our own, ju- own eye and we're able to judge rightly, judgment is replaced with patience and grace and kindness and humility and tenderness and forgiveness and empathy. and We're able to see someone as Jesus would see them. And it gives us a moment to remember that the work of salvation has been done. We don't have to worry about that. Jesus has done that. But the sanctifying work in us, the the becoming like Jesus, that's a work in progress for each of us. And we can let go of our pride and put Jesus back in the driver's seat, knowing that he is the only judge. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this message, and I thank you so much for your heart for each of us in the room. Lord, help us to examine our own planks in our eyes so that we can serve you better, so that we can see others as you see them. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.